Welcome to the Headache 360 Podcast, a place to listen and learn about the diagnosis and treatment of chronic headache and migraine pain, because information can be the best medicine. Hi, uh, and welcome to the uh, Headache 360 Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Lowenstein. And uh, again, what we're doing here is uh, trying to take a 360-degree view of headache and uh, migraine pain. Um, And as such, um, some of you will know that I'm a migraine uh, and headache surgeon. I do uh, nerve decompression. But people usually get to me after seeing uh, many, many other different types of um, caregivers. And what we're going to try and do is talk to these types of caregivers so you can get some uh, ideas of what they do and uh, what opportunities uh, might be out there. Uh, Today I have uh, a very special guest. Amy Killian is a uh, certified, (coughs) excuse me, nutritional therapy counselor uh, that I work with at my center in uh, in Denver and uh, she enjoys working with headache patients and uh, has, we're going to talk about some, some different things that we can uh, do as headache sufferers uh, to both find uh, some relief, but also maybe to help avoid uh, dealing with pain in the first place. So uh, welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's start off with the most simple thing, like what does a nutritional therapist So very common question, and it is different than a registered dietitian. So in nutritional therapy, we focus primarily on working with the body and to bring balance to the body through a primarily nutritionally dense whole food-based diet. So I'm not a dietitian in the sense that I'm going to make you eat from the food pyramid and kind of give you the standard American diet approach to things. So I do a lot of background history with my patients and take a pretty detailed medical history, have them do a nutritional assessment questionnaire before they come in, which Dr. Lowenstein has taken, and it's pretty involved. It is pretty involved. (laughs) It took some time and some thought, actually, to to do it. Ask a lot of questions, so I analyze that. I do um, a a diary, food diary with my patients for about 10 days to two weeks prior to them coming in, and then just kind of focus on them as an individual. Bioindividuality is a big buzz phrase in the nutritional therapy world because we do see each person as individual. There is no one-size-fits-all approach with this, and it really is working with each individual person to kind of bring them balance. So that that site that you had me go to where and I was like, I was, <clears throat> it was like 18 pages of questions. Yes, it's a lot. It was like 300 questions. You know, I, I looked up and looked at the number of questions I had answered, and is is incredible. But it talks about everything from joint pain to headaches to bloating to um, uh, it, it was it was really impressively involved and so you're dealing with lots of different I don't want to say disease processes but physical troubles of, of patients yeah kind of looking at the entire body <clears throat> system it's one of the things with nutritional therapy as I said is based on a nutritionally dense whole food properly prepared diet because in the basic level if our systems are not functioning correctly, a lot of things just aren't going to work. So making sure that digestion is working from the top down, that you have a healthy gut, you know, all of those things are going to make a difference in if I'm going to offer you supplementation. You know, if you don't have a healthy gut and you're not digesting your food properly, 
you could be taking all the supplements in the world. They're not really going to be making much of a difference. And do you ever order like tests to see, um, I don't know, some, my, my friend that I was talking to just went to the doctor and found out that she's highly vitamin D deficient um, because she wears a lot of sunscreen apparently, which <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. But like, would you send somebody for tests to find out a deficiency? If I saw something on their neck that came back as being extremely out of balance, is the, the nutritional assessment questionnaire. Oh, not neck. Neck. Like, okay, because the neck, the NAQ. Right, yeah, got it. Okay, <laughs> NAQ. This nutritional assessment. So if I saw something that was really out of balance, yes, I would either recommend that they follow up with their primary care provider, or if it was something that they were working with another specialist on already. And that's something that's really important. You know, most of the people who come to me are either referred by a specialist, another physician, a friend who's someone who's worked with me in the past. So I really need to know what's going on with that provider as well. And if it's something I need to send them back to that provider for, like checking uh, thyroid levels or hormone levels, oh, yeah, right, right. you know, sending them back to their endocrinologist, making sure that they're monitoring those things as well. Got it. All right. So as far as headaches and migraines, occipital neuralgia, um, you know, what, what's your approach to, to those kinds of patients? And, you know, what, how, how does these dietary issues What's the right word? Affect affect these processes. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing with <coughs> excuse me migraine or headache sufferers is helping them really believe that what they're eating could be causing some of their pain, or at least contributing to it, or worsening it. And sometimes people don't always see that connection. We have become very disconnected from our food, and a lot of people are really disconnected from eating. So they tend to think of it as a a task or a job, but they don't really see that lasting impact on their body and how their body functions. So that's the biggest hurdle first is like convincing them that changing their diet might it really impact yeah, yeah. their health. And that's typically through finding what their trigger foods may be. Uh, as most of your you know, listeners probably understand what trigger foods are, they're pretty well talked about with migraines. Also balancing out blood sugars throughout the day. That's something that people even who just have regular headaches, you know, definitely could be hugely improved by monitoring their blood sugar, making sure they're not dehydrated. And so when you monitor blood sugar, you're just talking about um, just by feel, or you actually, is there some way that you're having actually so people monitor the blood sugar? If someone has other kind of co-contributing factors, I might have them actually do finger sticks, oh, wow, actually okay. monitor, huh. to just to make sure that we're making positive progress. Because again, people get very disconnected from how they're feeling, especially if they've been feeling a certain way for a long amount of time. So helping them see that like they are crashing, even though they may not feel like their blood sugar's dropping, to kind of show them that pattern and getting it back to where we'd like it to be to help them stay stable. Yeah. You know, and also then showing them what impact the foods they're eating have on that ability for their blood sugar to, to stay balanced throughout the day. Right. Like making good food choices is actually going to help your blood sugar stay stable for an extended period of time, even beyond meals. And that's where like meal timing and nutrient timing becomes more important. And those are kind of more advanced things with food intake. Right. Right. I, 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 I say right, right, and I'm sighing because I know that I don't do what I should do. But well, and it's I, hard for I surgeons, try. yeah. Um, so, so, you know, one, this NAC, uh, NAQ thing, I was really, I was actually really impressed. There's a lot of uh, headache diaries mm-hmm. out there. But the way that this is uh, such a great food diary and talks about how you feel, your mood, and your physical um, uh, your your pain level, um, I, I think it it makes things really much easier to coordinate yep. that way. 
Um, and I'm assuming so that, that's this knack. And again, I, since I operate on the neck, I keep on <laughs> thinking neck instead of neck. But um, so this this website um, is something that you access once you access someone like you. Correct. So I enter my patient's initial information and send them essentially an invitation to take the NAC. And then there might be other to-do tasks for them, meaning filling out their emotions diary, their intake paperwork, which is pretty involved. You know, I ask a lot of questions on intake. My initial intake with someone is usually at least two hours long, like when we actually meet the first time. You know, because it's a lot to go over. And a lot of things, you know, epigenetics is also something that I'm very passionate about and really, to me, plays a big role in our health overall. Do you want to explain a little what, what that word means, is. yes. So epigenetics is just basically the science or the study of how our genes are expressing. They're very much impacted by our daily activities. So DNA is constantly replicating, and as it does, like little things can happen, like SNPs is kind of what they're called, little changes, little ways that those genes are methylating can be affected, and food can have a big impact on those. But so can things that happened to you a long time ago that have just kind of stayed in that cycle you know, of replication. So being on antibiotics for an extended period of time as a young person. You yeah, know, I saw that was in, is in the, yeah. um, and it asked like about having mono and, you know, mm-hmm. all these things that. Epstein-Barr. Yeah, yes. like everybody had in college, I think, right? right? <laughs> I, I, I had mono, uh, and, but I, I, I was answering that question going, oh gosh, what, how, how's that going to have affected, you know, what, What's happening what I'm eating now, and you know, uh, what, what's and, and how? Like, can can you um, make specific recommendations about what I can do nutritionally now based on prior exposure to antibiotics? Yes, absolutely. Same thing huh. with people who have a lot of dental work who have, who might have old um, metal fillings. Oh, sure. You know, those can be impacting their health. Like that heavy metal leaching into their body can definitely be having a lasting effect, even if they've had some of them taken out. Um, they can still cause a lot of problems. It just in kind of your body takes a while to readjust. Like it's constantly changing, but at the same time, like damage that's done can take a long time to come out of. And that's why I always say with people, nutrition is the long game. It's not a quick fix. Uh-huh. Like it's going to take time to see improvements in your health through nutrition. Other times that's not the case. Now, if someone comes to me in extreme distress and you know they're eating the worst case scenario, standard American diet, and they follow all my recommendations and they change everything, like, yeah, a month later, they're coming and be great. Well, okay. So wait a second. <laughs> so you're equating the worst case scenario with the standard American diet? Is that, that's, those are the same things? Yes. Yeah. I guess. So I mean, one of the things it asked was like when, do I eat junk food? Right. And I don't know. What do you, what do you? Or, or I don't did it say fast food or junk food? Um, fast food and fast then food. yeah. So I, I then I'm kind of wondering what what qualifies like In and Out Burger is that fast food because it was pretty fast and I, I took my kids <laughs> I took my kids to In and Out last week for the first time in their lives so they're seven seven and four and they'd never been to In and Out Burger and they never you know we never go to McDonald's or whatever but sometimes. You, crave a Big Mac and you know it is mm-hmm. what it is but um, it it is interesting to me to note that a great number of people are eating this what you call worst case worst case scenario and yeah. uh, eating a lot of um, saturated fats and you know just stuff that some you know we, we know is not necessarily <clears throat> The best for us. Yes. Uh, but it can be hard to find time to eat well. 
It can, and that's where you know education comes into play. A lot of people weren't taught these habits by their parents, you know, especially a newer generation of people. Um, I was fortunate enough to grow up with hippie parents. My mom was like grinding her own flour, and there was wow. no fast food in the town I grew up in. You know, I didn't have that even as an option to me until I was an adult and had left home. So, I get that my childhood was unique in that sense and very different from what you know, your average pe- you know person is experiencing now, and even. You know, just life is hectic, right? Yeah. Like we make choices that are right in front of us. Right. Maybe not, we don't always think long-term. Fair enough. All right. So, so rotating back around to headache stuff, um, if you have somebody who comes in and their primary concern is is their head, mm-hmm. so what's, how do you go about thinking about what to offer them, what to, aside from the, the things we've talked about, they've done a, they don't have a trigger that they know of. So, you know. Yeah, so then I'd probably start with what are you know, some of the common triggers and get them to start slowly eliminating those and see how they feel. And again, these are probably things you're gonna eliminate for a month and then reassess how you feel. So it's not like you can take out, you know, your aged cheeses, let's say, or any of those histamine containing foods for a day and be like, oh great, I didn't get a headache today. <laughs> that must be it. Right, like, I see. It takes yeah. a while and sometimes it's just certain variations of those things or in combination. You know, if you're eating a wine and cheese platter with some cured meats, maybe not the best combo right, altogether, right, right. you know. So, you know, I, it's interesting also that some foods seem to help some people and hurt other people. Absolutely. So, I mean, this I think epigenetics issues and, um, treating everybody as an individual, which is something that is, I don't think, done enough in healthcare these days. And fortunately, you know, this is this is how I go about my practice as well. But for example, wine. So red wine, interestingly, white wine used to make me extraordinarily ill, like throwing up kind of just, and nobody understood it because they, everybody always equates that with red wine. And apparently I grew out of it because now I can drink white wine, but red wine gives me flares of my occipital neuralgia and and my headaches. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a common trigger, um, as we know, but I, uh, you know, we, I was seeing patients just earlier today, and one of the guys I, I was talking to about triggers I said, you know, can you, I want patients to come in with really bad pain so I can do nerve blocks and, mm-hmm. and, and improve their pain. Um, and he didn't have a lot of pain. So I said, you know, can you come back and maybe go out the night before, have a lot of wine? Interestingly, he said, yeah, he can drink as much wine as he wants. It doesn't do anything mm. to him. So it does seem that, you know, individualizing everybody's triggers is is a difficult thing. You'd hope that there were, you know, all headaches are caused by X. Don't take X anymore. Everybody's headache's going to go away. Right. But that's not the case. It's not the case. And it, it's, like I said, there, there are definitely foods that for some people are helpful, caffeine being one of the key ones. You know, everybody knows Excedrin for migraines has caffeine in it. Caffeine can sometimes make a headache go away. But in excess, or for some people even small amounts, can be very triggering. So a lot of that too, for me as a nutritional therapist, comes back to how are how's your gut? How, how are you digesting? How are you processing these things? How's your toxic load? You know, are you really overloaded with environmental stuff that we need to you know get your liver functioning better? Making sure you have good bile production. You know, are you actually 
functioning well. Because I think you know, one of the questions on the knack is if wine makes you very hungover. And the reason I asked that is not related to headaches. It's actually related to how your liver processes those specific oh, yeah. types of components of alcohol. Um, and again, if someone's kind of fi- – and some people come in and, like, everything triggers them. And you've probably seen that, too, with some of yeah. your patients. Like, everything's a trigger. Right. So maybe we need to figure out what was truly a trigger by getting rid of these things and then slowly reintroducing some of them. So you basically have people go on the, a very, like, a bland kind of – uh, non-exotic diet and then sh- slowly reintroduce kind of like people with allergies yes right similar yeah. to an allergy protocol yeah you know and at the same time working on making them healthier overall you know and dealing with what uh, some of their other issues might be you know rarely is world is the world in a bubble right rarely right, right, does right. someone have just one thing you know so this might be our main thing like migraines right got to get these under control but at the same time like what else is maybe happening in your life that we can improve and hopefully improve everything else at the same time Got it. So, yeah, cutting out, you know, those things. Another thing, too, I'm going to look at specifically related to what I get back on their nutritional assessment is looking at where their mineral levels are, vitamin and mineral levels, uh, because there are definitely some key nutritional deficiencies that can trigger headaches in people. B12 being a big one, folate, uh, magnesium are definitely things I'm going to want to make sure are optimized. And again, ironically enough, high magnesium food, dark chocolate also may be a trigger for some people. Dark chocolate. Yep, and uh, chocolate is a frequent, a frequent one. But interestingly, you know, a lot of our patients are on magnesium supplements. Yes, and you know, I, even I tried that at one point, and it makes you feel. Have you ever taken it's a different. high dose of? Yeah, yeah, it makes you feel pretty weird to yeah. to do. So a lot of people, I couldn't tolerate it, and I stopped doing it as well. But clearly, a magnesium magnesium deficiency is a is a well known issue with with headache patients. Um, well, so. Supplement-wise, um, is there uh, is there certain things that that you think patients should try to optimize their situation? Yes, absolutely. And any of these, as just as a reminder to anyone who's listening, you should definitely clear these with your doctor first before you start taking tons of supplements. Yes, and I I, I always like to include a disclaimer here within within the podcast that you know nothing we're talking about is specific to any one case. And so the 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 point of all of our podcasts here are to in uh, to in, increase information um, and uh, a knowledge base, but supplying people with this information for them to go back to talk to their providers and and get a good therapy um individualized therapy for them so uh please don't start um (laughs) taking a tremendous amount of magnesium just because you heard that that's something that's done so yeah and supplements are the same way i treat supplements like i would treat food essentially like it's a nutritional supplement like you should start slow reassess, you know, and only take something that's actually making a difference. If it's not, and it's not, obviously this is not medications, this is supplements, they're supplemental, you should not need to be on these for life. Um, So reassessing. B12 is a big one, riboflavin, which everyone has probably associated with like the smell of Cheerios. There's a lot of B vitamins in uh, packaged cereals, make your urine turn bright yellow, Um, is a really good one. B vitamins are going to help with nerve conduction, with muscle contraction. So again, if your headaches come from more of a tension base or you're getting irregular muscle firing, like making sure B vitamins are optimized is going to be really, really good. But don't overdose on Cheerios either. No. That's not the thing to right? do. Right. You have okay. terrible, weird urine and yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So 
you know, I would recommend 400 milligrams a day is plenty of B2, and you do want to make sure that you're getting a really high quality B vitamin because if not, you're not going to get a lot of benefit from it. Yeah, you're just going to exc- excrete it. Coenzyme Q10 was popular years and years ago for its heart benefit. You know, it was one of those supplements that got really popular in the 90s. I feel like everyone was like, oh my gosh, CoQ10 for heart health, and it was even in uh, some skincare. You know, because it is, it's a again, it is key to conduction of neurologic function essentially specifically in heart tissue like it helps those electrical impulses travel Mm. so it's very rare to have side effects which is why it's considered a really safe supplement the coq10 is definitely one that i would recommend that's also used for um, memory yep right it is and again because of its ability to kind of help with those firings yeah Neuroconduction. Okay. Yeah. So that one's a good one. Magnesium, we kind of talked about. It can have some laxative effect. Uh-huh. So I definitely don't recommend that people start taking large amounts of magnesium first thing in the morning. <laughs> All right. Definitely take it at night. It's good for muscle relaxation too. A lot of people take it to sleep. Again, it's going to help with kind of regulating muscle contraction and muscle firing, which is why if you're taking a lot of it, you're going to feel kind of weird. Um, yeah. And makes that's, you, it makes you like feel like you're burning kind of. Uh, at least that's what it did to me. uh, Give you kind of the tingles? Yes, exactly. The burning tingles? Yeah. Magnesium is one I actually like people, if they can, to get from food sources. I don't jump to supplementation with magnesium specifically because it is easy to get through through food. There's a lot of high magnesium foods, and also there's uh, topical sprays, which I like people to use too. Really? Instead of taking a pill, you spray it on the bottom of your feet at night. Why the bottom of your feet? It absorbs it kind of in a more regulated manner, and it can Really? Yeah, like how you felt burny when you took it. It can sting huh. sensitive skin. All right. Bottom of our feet are pretty And are there, is that just with magnesium or are there spray on? There are other topicals. Other. Yeah, there are actually a lot of topicals I recommend because of the way that they're processed preferentially if you put them on topically versus orally. You know, our bodies, when we take something orally, it is going to be broken down through a process of digestion and there's a lot of acid involved in that and pH neutralization that you may not want to have happen with that supplement. So like glutathione is a big one. If I'm ever supplementing something with glutathione, which for people who are big into methylation are gonna understand glutathione is kind of the master controller of all of that, always as a topical cream. Huh. Only. All right. So magnesium, I, I would recommend, you know, eat some dark chocolate if it doesn't trigger you. you know, some nuts, or Brazil nuts specifically, are really high in magnesium. They're also really good for men in general. They're really healthy for testosterone levels. Um, legumes, pumpkin, uh, pumpkin seeds are all really high in magnesium. All right. And yeah, so that's, that's where I like to go. The two that are, again, a little more challenging, and I would definitely not recommend taking these without working with your doctor. Butterbur is uh, an herb. It is. It has been studied, and it has been shown really helpful for reducing migraines. It's something that can have a, a really extremely rare toxic side effect on the liver. So that's why it's. It you want to make sure that your liver is really healthy before you take it. Anyone who has any type of compromised liver function should absolutely not take butterbur in any form. Okay. Um, pregnant women should also avoid it. Uh, just because there is, it's very rare, but there is an optimal dosage. And they did studies with 50 to 75 milligrams, and they found that for some people, 50 milligrams did absolutely nothing. 75 milligrams was hugely helpful. Anything more than that, though, and you run the risk of some toxicity. So it's one that people need to be really careful with. You think of that like as a medication. Kind I would of think thing? of that as a medication. Yeah. And you can't, that's the thing with supplements, so you can buy this online. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that you should. Doesn't mean you should. Right. And the, the other one is Feverfew. And Feverfew is actually good for allergies. A lot of people take it for allergies. Um, I can't say I've ever even heard of 
Fever the few. word fever few. Yeah, it's a it's a plant. It's a flower. Uh, it's great in tea. It's actually a really good tea. Huh. Because there again, you're getting a more diluted dosage of it. But it's been proven helpful for reducing the severity of migraines. It can have a blood thinning effect and you should never consume it raw, which most people probably don't have that ability to go forage their own herbs. Right, right. <laughs> but it can have a little bit of a blood thinning effect. So obviously you're going to be having surgery soon. You need to stop it and make sure, again, just tell your doctor the supplements you're taking because they can impact things like surgery. Yeah. And we always, I and mean, this is one of the challenging things, we always yeah. have all of our patients 10 days before surgery stop taking anything that's not prescribed by a doctor and just eat good food, right? Yes. Because it, it, some of this, some of these supplements have um, side effects that, frankly, you just don't think of, and uh, it, it's better safe than sorry. Yeah. Um, and so what do you, um, this is a little off topic, but supplements are not extraordinarily regulated. They're not regulated at all in right? most cases. So um, when you're recommending supplements, where, I mean, do you go down to talk to Johnny on the corner over there, or do you go to Whole Foods? And we are not endorsed by anybody, but, you know, Which here in Colorado, awesome were, we have, well, there you go, maybe one day, uh, like Vitamin Cottage, you know, these, these uh, local places. What do, you, what do you tell people where to source their stuff? So for people who are working with me, I actually work with a company called Biotics. So it is pharmaceutical grade supplements. So the supplements that I can get through Biotics are obviously going to be my top choice. Now, if it's something that is a bit unusual, um, I do have online sources that I usually recommend. If it's something simple, like go pick up some fever few tea, you know, that you could get at Whole Foods or Vitamin Cottage. But I don't generally recommend those just because people tend to get overwhelmed by the options there. So I'll usually give, you know, my clients a specific recommendation, like get this specific product. Yeah, again, treating all yep. of this kind of stuff like medicine. To me, right? it is. I know exactly what's in it. I also know what else they're taking. And that's, you know, with the supplements from Biotics, there are a lot of combinations of things. There might be some glandulars in them. You know, there might be a lot of other things that might interact. So if someone's taking their supplements and you know, other supplements that I haven't seen or looked at, you know, supplements can be very overdosed. Like meaning they're, the dosage is more than what you need. Not meaning you're going to die of an overdose, but meaning they're dosed too high. I see. Especially in combination with other things. You know, they might just add, you know, they might be just adding vitamin C into all, your, you know, a supplement for no Filler. real reason. Right. right. Or vitamin E, you know. It just And it's kind of junk vitamin, but you still want to make sure that you're not combining stuff together that shouldn't be. Got it. Okay. Um, all right. Well, so, you know, the... You, you, I'm sure you have people also coming in with specific disease, that's a strong word, illnesses, mm -hmm. and they also have headaches. And then you also probably have healthy people that come in with headaches. And you probably also just have people with normal things like hormone changes. And, you know, that's a question that I get asked a lot. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have headaches associated with hormone fluctuations. Um, do you work with those kinds of situations as well? Yes, I work a lot with women's health. Uh, I'm really, again, I'm really passionate about epigenetics, which has a lot to do with like preconception nutrition. So I do work with a lot of women who are, you know, still in that menstruation age, but then also post-menopause. And 
very common for women to have complaints about headaches around menstruation, and it's typically a deficiency of some sort. So whether that is a, an iron deficiency, some type of anemia, or they're magnesium deficient. Magnesium's a big one that I'll supplement for women around their period. Uh, it helps with cramps because it's a muscle relaxer, so uh-huh. it helps with cramps, but it also helps with the headaches typically. Something that's really, I still do see way more of than I wish I did was people who are eating a very low-fat diet. And I always try and encourage my patients to do an oil change. So we want to cut out all industrial seed oils. Oil change, mm-hmm. I like that. All right. And really focus on getting healthful oils back into our diet. And, you know, women specifically tend to be kind of afraid of fat in some ways still, not as much as they were in the 90s and early 2000s, but it's still out there. Yeah. You know, that women are eating a very low fat or very low low quality fat diet. And fat's it's, such so important. It's not, so it's, important. it's important not only for what it does, but it's also a, a very important carrier. And, um, you know, there are certain, uh, there are certain nutrients that we call lipophilic, meaning that they um, they w- get absorbed better in the presence of fat. And I, I, cutting fat out, and correct me if I'm wrong, because um, I'm, this is not my area, um, since I was studying it in undergrad school a long, <laughs> long time ago. Um, but um, you, you're not only losing the issue, the, the the benefits of, of beneficial fat, but you're also potentially malnourishing yourself through other things. That's absolutely correct. I mean, right. All of our cells have a phospholipid bilayer, meaning that they have a little fatty shell on them. So you kind of think of it as building a house. You're basically building your body all the time. So if you're giving it cheap, nasty, processed oils to uh. build that phospholipid bilayer, every single cell, our brains are made primarily of fat. So you're giving it nasty fries that have been put through canola oil that's been used a thousand times or you're getting salmon and walnuts you know things that your body knows what to do with and can build this beautiful phospholipid bilayer you know around all your cells and keep your brain healthy and your heart healthy everything's more stable that way as well much more stable and your body knows what to do with those things you know the the other thing that happens with these bad oils yes your body uses them because it has no choice but they they have a tendency to glycate meaning they can basically they get sticky so sugars sugar molecules start sticking to them and it makes that that layer around the cell non-functional so nothing good gets in or out you know so it's it's not helping you're you're going to be low in energy your mitochondria is not going to be giving you good energy if you're eating these really bad oils so for you know women especially menstruating women especially women who are wanting to conceive like absolutely getting high quality fats in your diet is so key you know egg yolks essential fatty acids evening primrose oil like things that are going to nourish your body all right so i've got two questions as we kind of come towards our close number one when should, both I'll ask both of them. When number one should a headache somebody who's suffering from headache think think about seeing a nutritional therapist or you know somebody who's going to um, enhance that part of their their of their diet. And then more generally speaking, because it seems like you can help people who are having trouble with their period or or getting frequently ill or you know one of the things on this knack was. Have I gotten sick in the last two years? And again, I've got kids in preschool. And I was thinking, wait, did that say, would I get sick in the last two years or the last two weeks? Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I get sick all the time because the kids bring stuff home. Does that mean I'm malnourished? I mean, when should somebody start to see somebody like you? I mean, I think everybody should work with a nutritional therapist. I mean, 
obviously that's what I do, so I see the value in it. But if you've never really worked with someone on your nutrition, you're absolutely going to benefit from it. Now, people who are suffering from headaches, again, like I said in the very beginning, they may not see that link that, hey, what I'm eating, even simple things like maybe I'm eating too much citrus. <laughs> like it could be something huh. simple that's triggering your headaches to be worse. Now, is it going to be the cure? Maybe not. You know, but can we help monitor your symptoms and help prevent some of your suffering and get your body functioning better? Absolutely. hundred percent. Especially if you are going to be undergoing surgery. You know, if you're doing surgery with Dr. Lowenstein, you want to be as healthy as possible going into it. So working with a nutritional therapist prior is going to help a lot. And so what should somebody look like, look for in a nutritional therapist? So, you know, we're, we're in Denver here, but somebody in Savannah, Georgia hears this and wants, wants to do something like that. Can they work with somebody remotely or should yep. they go look for somebody locally? And if they're looking around, what, what, what kind of person are they looking for? Yeah, so the Nutritional Therapy Association is who I am certified through and that's who I would recommend looking for someone in your area. Now, it doesn't have to be someone in your area. My you know, coaching can all be done through telemedicine essentially so and that's totally fine some people like having that one-on-one kind of need that Um, some providers only work that way and that's something that you know you kind of need to decide for yourself like do I need someone right in front of me if so you need to search for somebody within your zip code yeah (laughs) so looking for someone who is a certified nutritional therapy counselor or practitioner those are going to be that would be my recommendation but then also looking for you know making sure that you vibe with that person kind of understand like from a theory standpoint that they are who you want, kind of the same thing you do when you look for a doctor, you know? Right. Make sure it's somebody you're comfortable with and and who understands your goals. Right. Right. And who kind of gets your paradigm, you know, that again, bioindividuality is really big, you know? So if you are interviewing therapists, nutritional therapists, and like they don't maybe jive with how you kind of feel, like that's fine. Um, You know, being open to what they are saying is always good. But if you, you know, have your own very strong beliefs and you don't want to change those and finding someone who can work within your paradigm is going to be key. Okay. And, and so if somebody wants to reach out to you, how, do, how does that happen? So best way to do that is uh, either send me a message through Instagram or just email me directly. My Instagram is Amy, A-M-Y, Gray, G-R-A-Y. That's my middle name, N-T-C, <laughs> like Nancy Taylor, Charlie, Amy Gray, N-T-C. Um, on Instagram, that's really the best way to reach out to me. Um, from there, you can shoot me a direct message. You can send me an email. Your middle name's Gray? It is Gray, G-R-A-Y. Is that, was that somebody's... It's um, a family name. <laughs> Amy Gray. Yep. Interesting. I, I, yeah. See, I learned a lot today. I learned <laughs> uh, about Feverfew, which I didn't know it existed, and I, I learned Amy's uh, middle name. So, uh, yeah. Actually, I learned a lot more than that. Um, and so that's so that was your Instagram handle and your, your email? Email is just Amy, A-M-Y, at Jason Martin, M-D. And it's all you can email them either directly through Instagram as well. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Dr. Martin is is uh, another plastic surgeon who some of you may uh, may know of. Um, he's got a another fantastic uh, video uh, podcast um, that uh, I highly recommend, and he, he talks about a lot of different health uh, health issues. Not necessarily. There's one headache uh, um, episode that. Where, where he interviewed me, but it's a really, really um, great podcast, not just for plastic surgery, but uh, it's called Beauty and the Surgeon, so some, something to look for. Um, but Amy, thank you very, very, very much. I really, I love uh, discussions where I learn new stuff, and this was certainly, uh, certainly one of them. Well, so. I hope it helps. I mean, it really, headaches are challenging, but 
we're uh, we're all fighting towards the same goal of uh, reducing pain in, in in these patients, and I think that uh, a lot of what you a lot of what you do is helping. So that's great. So thanks a lot. Thank you. And uh, I would ask you all to uh, consider subscribing. And I again, as as one of my previous discussions said, I'm I'm much better. I, I'm, I am a well-trained surgeon. I'm not a very well-trained podcast producer. So I think there's a button that you can push, a bell or something to remind Subscribe you. Subscribe button. Uh, okay, so Amy knows more than I do. Um, and remember that if you have questions, please feel free to email them to me um, at questions at headachesurgery.com. Um, and uh We'll try and address them in uh, future podcasts. So, again, uh, thanks, and thanks for listening, and uh, here's to hoping that you have as little pain as possible.